Who lives hey. in a pineapple under the sea? Eudaimonia. <laughs> hey guys, and welcome back. Um, today is our final episode of Eudaimonia. Sad, True. but also I am looking forward to a break. Now all of our resources are in one spot, and we can just access this this resource itself as a podcast. Um, in order to utilize it in the future. You can too, which is awesome. Um, Just a reminder, on Spotify, on Apple Music. All the good places. Never forget. All right. Well, to start us off, I just wanted to kind of review what a trauma-informed school was and the type of characteristics that um, are present at those schools. So um, what do you guys remember about some of the stuff we talked about? last week well i mean one of the things is just that everyone's on the same page um it's really important to pay attention to your children and to take cues from them um alter your lessons and your learning for the day based on how they're doing that day mm-hmm. or even like hour to hour mm-hmm. yeah it has to be really super responsive Um, to everything that goes on. So (laughs) as things happen in the schools, we apply those interventions um, and not only interventions, but also the procedures that are in place. Yes. So today we're going to look at how do we actually sustain those trauma-informed schools. Um, I think that something we're seeing all over education um, right now is burnout. And I don't know if you can relate to that Um, but I know that when you can't take care of yourself it's hard to take care of others and that's part of um, exactly what we talked about in the first couple of podcasts is looking at yourself before you can move to your school system and provide for them. The National Child Traumatic Stress Network actually outlined four R's for how we sustain trauma-informed schools, and I'll just run through those really quick. So the first one is realizing the widespread impact of trauma and pathways to recovery. The second one is recognizing trauma's signs and symptoms. Third, responding by integrating knowledge about trauma into all facets of the system. And four, resisting re-traumatization of trauma-impacted individuals by decreasing the occurrence of unnecessary triggers and by implementing trauma-informed policies, procedures, and practices. Um, So that just comes directly from their resource. But basically, I think this does a great job of summing up um, a lot of the information that we have covered in this podcast. So when we look at realizing the widespread impact, that is really from a bird's eye view, looking at from a community lens, um, looking at that school and creating a community that is trauma informed. But when you look at recognizing the signs and symptoms, that is really at the individual level. And I think we did a great job of identifying those and thinking of different ways to move forward from um, those symptoms. Third was responding. So like I said, trauma-informed education, it just is super responsive. Um, You have to be in the moment and listening to your child as they're, um, you know, going through their day in order to best fit and serve their needs. 
uh, and then finally resisting re-traumatization. Um, that is honestly applies to all of the perspectives and all of the lens of trauma-informed um, schooling and education. So moving forward, I also got some really good information from the same resource. And it really just talks about how sustaining these schools, um, it comes from trauma awareness. It comes from knowledge and skills. So um, having those resources available and ready and then consistently referencing them and going back to them to update it is something super important. I think oftentimes um, resources can be created for the current events and the current situation of a schooling system, but then they become outdated in who knows as much as a month, like they could yeah. go bad. Um, I don't know, do you guys have any examples of when that has happened before where like a system, a procedure was implemented and then it wasn't upheld or went out of date? Um, in the school we even talked about today, like she said that they used to have like a social emotional like program that they would like implement and use in the school, but she said um, that when they it, like went with the reading curriculum and so when they got rid of and changed reading curriculums, they just got rid of that whole program. And so she was just talking about like how she was like, so next year, like they're trying to re-implement it and add it back in, which is so important because she's like, I do all my own stuff and I prepare it and do it, but it's not like that school-wide right now, which is so important that that's being taught to every single one of the kids in the school. And so she was like, it was really disappointing when they decided to just get rid of all of it when they got rid of the reading program. So I just think that's really interesting that like that's something that you have to pay attention to that it doesn't just go with not exactly trauma related but just the idea of like those important things of social emotional learning. So yeah I think that interdisciplinary stuff is it's really interesting with curriculum because like you said that one like curriculum just went away and then there goes a whole nother routine that these kids are used to. Yeah. Um, and so reestablishing that can definitely be difficult. Um, <clears throat> looking at that same resource, it also really just talked about how um, you need to involve everybody in the process of creating a trauma-informed school. So that includes like the children, the students' families, communities, leaders, law enforcement, etc. You know, um, and getting them into the conversation about uh, what's going on and how do we move forward. Um, will best support the community's needs and really just create the most um, productive and effective environment. The NCTSN system framework for trauma-informed schools lays out three different tiers um, that I think can help support a transition into sustaining a trauma-informed school. So tier one obviously um, starts out with creating that safe environment and um, universally healthy students. So that's not just in their physical well-being, but their mental well-being, their financial well-being, everything, every aspect of their life um, should be looked at trying to create a healthy student and healthy community. Um, then in tier two starts early intervention and creating a program and plan for those students and staff who are at risk. Um, it starts with identifying them and then responding. So um, an action has to be taken and an intervention needs to occur. Tier three is then intensive support where um, at-risk individuals then become more um, 
involved and intense, like obviously the word intensive means. Uh, (laughs) But the support then becomes more hands-on, where those behaviors and experiences, expectations become more prompted and modeled uh, with one-on-one assistance. Uh, There's going to be a great chart that I'll include in the description of this podcast um, for you to visualize the three different tiers and some of the key strategies to implement um, when moving through these tiers. Some of the key strategies that I wanted to highlight um, in tier three, there really has to be trauma-specific treatment. So that's where the most intensive support is provided. Um, so looking at it case by case and involving all, all of those key partnerships, um, including the community and student families. Uh, tier two, there should be some screening going on. So that helps you identify those students who are at risk. But most of all, I think that observations and, like I said, just being reactive and responsive and present in your classroom is the most beneficial thing you can do for that. Um, And then finally, tier one, some of the key strategies is just promoting a positive and healthy school climate. So some of the things you can say would be like, Going into different classrooms every day and just saying hi. It can be a small act where you make a connection with a student um, repeatedly, and then that just provides them that much more comfort and security in an environment. Do you have any um, like possible ways to promote that positive school environment that you have found successful in your experiences? Um, well, I think, I mean... This is kind of related, but just in the idea of having screenings in the same way that we do like hearing and like vision screenings, it's like things that are important and we have such an in to help and support students. Um, And I think that's a really important way to do that because this is something that affects so many of our kids and staff. What I love about this model specifically is that it does include staff in their um, support and the things that they're trying to do. And I think that's a way to answer your question of just having it be a truly holistic of all members of the community, not just students, because we can't support students unless our staff and faculty are supportive as well. Yeah. Yeah. I was even just thinking about like, um, the importance of like knowing names rather than just like, Oh, that's the janitor or the front desk or whatever. If you know what I mean? It's just like, no, like let's actually have them have a name and have that be important that there can be like, I mean, it's not going to be a relationship that they may see all the time. It may be randomly or whatever, but like we can build that community to where those people are important and the students know them and know that the entire school is, you know, being built up as a community and as a safe and like good place to be. Yeah. I love that. Um, and then one like final thing that I think about when we sustain these trauma informed, um, school systems, I think about the public response because recently um, a lot of the changes in the schooling system have gotten reactive feedback from the public and from parents. Um, And so my question is, what do you think like it would look like if trauma-informed schooling was more integrated and normal? What do you think the public pushback could possibly look like? 
I mean, the classic is just that parents don't want things to be talked about at school. That they should be talking about at home, but the issue sits in the fact of, like, they're not talking about it at home, you know? Um, And I think it kind of comes back to the root of, like, this is public education to help, like, the public eye, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, like, to support the mass number of kids, not, like, a very specific group. Um, I think some of the biggest pushback will be from parents in, like, rougher housing situations, which can fall on the lower-income side or the higher-income side. Mm -hmm. Parents who just simply don't want the details of stuff happening at home being seen in the light, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is even more of a reason to do it. I think those who understand the statistics and the amount of students who are experiencing hard things um, in all of life, like, the more people will be in support of it because they'll see how often it is. I think the last area of pushback is people just who don't know and just kind of walking in ignorance, just thinking like, oh, this isn't actually something that needs to be talked about. Right. Um, And I think we really just need to work really hard to move away from that thinking because it simply just isn't accurate. (laughs) Yeah. So now that we've looked at the student perspective, the teacher perspective, and the school perspective, I think we've curated some really good resources for not only pre-service, but current teachers in this profession um, to create a trauma-informed school. I know that I have learned so much through this podcast, getting to research more into something that I care about. Um, It's been awesome learning more about the different perspectives and going more into depth um, into different facets of trauma-informed education. Um, And I'm excited to see where I go from here and utilizing the information. So really grateful I got to work with these ladies. And I am loving all of our audience members. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Not next time. Not next time. Not next time. On Utopia.